RTHK News. Good afternoon. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The top stories. Lawmakers from both sides of the political divide reject the chief executive's defence of her embattled justice minister. Two people are in custody after police found about $5 million worth of drugs in a flat in Kaiching estate. And satellite images of the Anak Krakatawa volcano in Indonesia show why last week's deadly tsunami was so powerful and unexpected. Pro-government lawmaker Paul Sayre has challenged the chief executive Carrie Lam over her statement that there's no conflict of interest between her predecessor C.Y. Leung and the current Justice Minister Theresa Cheng. Mrs Lam made the comment while defending Ms Cheng's decision not to seek external advice over Mr Leung's acceptance of $50 million from an Australian firm UGL and not to prosecute Mr Leung. Mr Sayre says he tends to think that the authorities have to seek independent legal advice because it's of major public interest. I think Carrie Lam's version of conflict of interest might be a bit narrow. It's a wider public interest perspective that we have to take into account in terms of the nature of the offence, nature of the personalities involved, and the general concern of the community. I think all these factors have got to be taken into account when you calculate or when you try to work out whether it's a situation where you have to take care of the public perception of the whole matter. Speaking on RTHK, Civic Party Chairman and Senior Counsel Alan Leung says Ms Cheng has to step down if she can't allay public concerns that she's not impartial. If the public's concerns and anxieties are not going away, then this will be a very hard blow to the rule of law and also public's confidence in the Department of Justice in holding the fort, at least insofar as criminal prosecutions are concerned. And if she cannot explain all these to the satisfaction of Hong Kong people, then she should really consider stepping down. A 6.9 magnitude earthquake has struck off the southern Philippine island of Mindanao, prompting warnings of a possible tsunami for parts of the Philippines and Indonesia. The Pacific Tsunami Warning Center says hazardous tsunami waves from this earthquake are possible along the coasts of Indonesia and the Philippines, although the waves are forecast to be less than 30 centimeters high. Meanwhile, researchers examining satellite images of the volcano Anak Krakatoa in Indonesia, which caused last Saturday's devastating tsunami, say the volcano has lost two-thirds of its height and volume since the eruption. The BBC's Jonathan Amos has more. There is little doubt now that the cause of the tsunami was a sudden catastrophic failure of the western flank of Anak Krakatoa. Europe's Sentinel and Terrasar radar satellites have been able to pierce the ash and cloud in the area to allow researchers to see what remains of the volcanic cone. What was once a volcano reaching 340 metres high is now little more than 100 metres tall. Something on the order of 160 million cubic metres of rock and ash have gone. Not all of this would have entered the Sunda Strait in one go, but it certainly explains the volume of seawater that must have been displaced to generate so destructive of a set of waves. Australia has stripped a suspected Islamic State militant of his citizenship. Officials say 27-year-old Neil Prakash inspired and encouraged terrorist attacks in Australia, including a failed plot to behead a police officer in Melbourne. The BBC's Phil Mercer has more details. Neil Prakash is Australia's most notorious Islamic State recruit. The former rapper was born in Melbourne and has featured prominently in the group's propaganda videos. It's believed he left for Syria in 2013 and is accused of using social media to incite attacks in Australia. 
Prakash is awaiting trial on terrorism charges in Turkey after he was arrested trying to cross the border from Syria. He's the 12th dual national to be stripped of Australian citizenship because of links to militant organisations. German prosecutors have announced war crime charges against a female member of the Islamic State group who's accused of letting a five-year-old girl die of thirst in scorching sunlight in Iraq. If found guilty, the 27-year-old German woman could face life in prison. The BBC's Ariane Skippers has the details. The woman, identified by the German authorities only as Jennifer W., travelled to Iraq in 2014, where she joined the morality police of Islamic State, patrolling parks to check women complied with the strict behavioural and clothing regulations. She and her husband bought the child as a slave in the Iraqi city of Mosul in 2015. German media say the girl may have been a member of the Yazidi minority. Prosecutors say the girl was chained up outside in the sun as punishment after she fell ill and wet to bed. The woman allowed her husband to do so and did nothing to save the girl. You're listening to RTHK. The time's exactly five minutes past one. The US Environmental Protection Agency has said it will look at relaxing the limits on dangerous emissions from coal and oil-burning power plants because the costs to the industry outweigh the benefits. From Washington, here's the BBC's Chris Buckler. Donald Trump promised to end what he called the war on beautiful clean coal. Under President Obama, standards were introduced that required coal-burning power plants to install expensive equipment to reduce the output of mercury, which can harm pregnant women and cause developmental problems in babies and children. But the US Environmental Protection Agency has now suggested that the costs of those regulations far outweigh their benefits. Although it's left the standards in place, environmental campaigners believe the Trump administration is paving the way for looser rules in the future. The authorities in the Galapagos Islands have banned the sale and use of noise-producing fireworks in the archipelago to protect its unique fauna. Conservationists say that animals suffer from elevated heart rates, trembling and anxiety after pyrotechnic events. BBC's Leonardo Rocha has more. The government of Ecuador has been under pressure to do more to protect the island's sensitive ecosystem. Thousands of tourists visit the Galapagos every year, attracted by its pristine environment, including its famous iguanas and turtles. The new measure, which takes immediate effect, bans transportation of fireworks to the islands, as well as their sale or use. Fireworks that produce light but no sound have been excluded from the ban. The authorities had already banned single-use plastic on the remote islands, which have a population of 25,000 people. To sports now and the English Premier League. All eyes tonight will be on the late game as runaway leaders Liverpool take on the last team to take a point off them, Arsenal. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp still isn't prepared to talk about the title. I'm not sure if he spoke about targets before the season, but it's clear with a team like Liverpool and with uh, the size of the club, the quality of the team, you should um, go for a Champions League qualification. And that was our, our target, 100%. We did it twice in a row. We wanted to do it a third time in a row. And we want to improve as a team, we want to play better football, more consistent, being more stable, all that stuff. The only thing what's different to last year is that our, our situation is better in comparison to last year. We are not even qualified for the Champions League yet. So that means we have to, we, we need to, to, to play football, what we like to do, and, um, and, and try to get results. One man who's far more comfortable discussing the race for the league is Tottenham boss Maurizio Pochettino. His side take on Wolves at Wembley, hoping to extend a five-game winning streak that's taken them into second place. We are in a very good position. I think we are uh, in a position that I think the, the team deserved to be. But another thing is 
uh, is to be the real contender on the end of the season. We need to show that we need to be consistent during the whole season. Manchester City show in the past that they can be a real contenders. And of course, Liverpool make an unbelievable investment and they are doing well. They are in the top on the table. And, and of course, I think these two teams um, are more realistic. We are there because we have the belief and because we are going, working so hard. But still, we are a question mark. Looking further ahead, Manchester United's interim boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be hoping to make it three wins from as many games when Bournemouth visit Old Trafford. But he insists the change in form isn't down to anything he's done. I cannot do anything uh, for their performances on the pitch. Paul has done it himself. The players have done the performances. I went, my chats with uh, Anthony, with uh, uh, Romelu, Alexis, whoever has not felt uh, they can produce the best of football, uh, I'm here to guide them, help them uh, on the path, and then it's up to them to do it on the pitch. To cricket, New Zealand's chances have been boosted at tea on day four of the second test against Sri Lanka in Christchurch when the tourists' informed batsman Angelo Matthews suffered a suspected torn hamstring. He was replaced by Russian Silva after the interval, with Sri Lanka effectively four down for 155 after being set a target of 660. If Matthews can't resume batting, it would leave Sri Lanka with only six wickets for the last four sessions. Matthews, who produced innings of 83 and an unbeaten 120 in the drawn first test in Wellington, was 33 not out in their first innings. He was on 22 in the second innings when he pulled up lame. To end the news, the top stories once again. Lawmakers from both sides of the political divide reject the chief executive's defence of her embattled justice minister. And two people are in custody after police found about $5 million worth of drugs in a flat in Kaiching Estate. The news from RTHK. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week, on our last show of the year, we do our year-end roundup of some of the best hits we played during the year 2018. It's the creme de la creme roundup of hot hits from a lot of places on the planet. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian. We're still the belly button of the world. And we start off our year-end roundup with our first song from January 2018. The song itself is from 2017, but it's had so many remixes. What we played was the very last remix version. Of course, I'm talking of Luis Fonsi, originally with Daddy Yankee. They're both from Puerto Rico. And the track Despacito, huge hit, which got so many remixes as well, all throughout 2017. And in January 2018, the very last remix of, of the Spanish Mandarin version between Luis Fonsi and Singaporean singer-songwriter and actor J.J. Lin. That would be Lin Junjie. In Mandarin, he's Hokkienese, actually, but he also sings in Cantonese, Lam Junjit, and, uh, well, Luis Alfonso Rodriguez Lopez Sepero, to give his full name, better known as simply Luis Fonsi, singer-songwriter from Puerto Rico. Let's have a listen to the bilingual track version remix of Despacito. (laughs) 